This morning, before I get going, I would just like to take opportunity to invite some of the folk that came to National Conference up at Caloundra uh, a week ago to come and share a very quick little two-minute testimony of what uh, their experience was, what they saw God doing, what God did for them, uh, and so forth. So um, now I've primed, I've primed some of the folk late last night to say, hey, come and give us two minutes. Um, if I haven't primed you, but you were there and you would like to come and share for two minutes, please feel free to follow the next person that just comes on up. So it uh, looks like Karen's on her feet first. Love that. <laughs> come on up, Karen. Come and share with us from National Conference. Well, I just um, wanted to share about the togetherness that I felt at the conference. One of the things we did was TED Talks. We listened to TED-style talks, which were 17 minutes each, and they were on the Vineyard Values. And at the end of each talk, we got a chance to break into small groups. One of the things that I just that really struck me is in the one group I found myself in a group of seven people after a talk on experiencing God. Out of seven people, there were five different vineyards represented from across the country. But what happened in that group was just an amazing work of God, I thought, because though we didn't know each other, I knew one or two by name, but generally in the group we didn't know each other. We went straight into sharing from the heart. And one woman started with sharing about, you know, her a very difficult family situation that she had. And, and we were talking about experiencing God together, about how sometimes life is murky. And in those times, we learn to trust God. And then in the other times, we see heaven breaking through and we get the victorious times. And so we were just sharing our experiences of that. And straight away, we just got into this sharing as though we were family. And then that led to another person in the group sharing some deep stuff. And here we were, people who hardly knew each other, but in God and through the Holy Spirit, we were one. We were like family. And it was an incredibly beautiful time of the Holy Spirit just breaking through. And I believe that in those prayers for each other, there was so much healing that happened. Um, and it was a very precious moment. Thanks, Karen. Trent? So can I just share uh, some thoughts? It's not necessarily a testimony, but, um, you know, the theme of the conference was one. Um, but a lot of it was just going back to what does it actually mean for us to be part of the Vineyard Movement? We, we went through the Vineyard Values, which was fantastic. But there were so many times during the weekend where I just sat back and I thought, I love the fact that I get to be part of this, um, this group, this tribe of people called the Vineyard. We, um, over the course of the conference, we sang, I'd have to ask Neil to confirm, but I think three or four, four of the songs that were kind of written by local people. And so we got to see some of God's expression of worship that he's been pouring out over onto the Vineyard movement. And um, we went back to some of the, I got to be part of some of what I would call vineyard ministry times um the, the the stories were incredible but they're not mine to tell so i'm not going to tell those stories but just seeing how god moved to set people free and to bring healing and encouragement to people was just it was incredible i was like i love being part of this vineyard movement and um and again there was one time where we had those small groups discussions and i sat down and and i just looked at the people that i was part of the small group with and I thought you know these people are actually just incredible men and women of God and again I was just struck by I love the fact that we get to do life with the people of the vineyard because they're such amazing deep godly Jesus loving people that they inspire me so much in everything that I do. So my story from the from the weekend was I love being part of the vineyard. I love that we get to be part of this bigger family of crazy people and tribe that we call the vineyard. So it was great. I love the unity and the what it means to be part of it. Cheers. Nice. So yeah, no, I had the uh, the cool privilege of being a part of the team that ran the youth program at conference. Um, so my experience would have been different to to everyone else's but it was just truly awesome actually to see what God's doing with our young people um, across the country and um, and and we had the, the cool privilege of being a part of that ministry team 
um, on Wednesday night with uh, with Ken Fish, and so we spent that day kind of teeing up the youth and kind of like trying to prep them and teach them and 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 also take the pressure off and be like, you know, God's there, God's going to look after you, God's going to do all the heavy lifting. All you've got to do is say yes to what God's doing in in the moment. Rah rah rah. And I was actually like a little bit stunned by how many of the our young people had not um, operated in a in a, a ministry setting before. And so they were a little bit nervous going in. And so kind of going in, you'd grab two of them and you just walk up to someone that was there for ministry and and you just start them off and then and they were gone, you know what I mean? So, and 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 just to see kind of God just kind of take it out of our hands because I was like, geez, how am I going to facilitate, you know, like 15, 20 people in, in a ministry time? How am I going to look after all of them? But I didn't have to, have to, you know, God just kind of took it and ran and people were just having these, awesome massive encounters with with god you know what i mean and 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 even though i'd spent that whole day teaching them you know it's not about you guys it's about god god's going to do all the heavy lifting and here i was in the moment going geez how am i going to do all this heavy lifting <laughs> and then but yeah so you, you learn a bit as well and god's like god's taking care of everything and god's doing all this awesome stuff and and to see our young people across australia just lit up and doing the stuff and so equipped and and just doing it so naturally as well, you know, it wasn't forced. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't overly complicated. It was just our the young people, the next generation coming up, just saying yes to whatever God was doing in the moment, and just totally given to that. And to see them so excited and so on fire for it was just fantastic. Hello. Um, so I I wasn't in a. Um a place of leadership on the conference at all. Uh, Nick and I went up on Thursday evening for a, for a look at it. Anyway, um, part of the evening was just Kirk encouraged people just to speak out if they felt like there was a need for someone in the room. And I was sitting there and I'm like, yeah, okay, see what happens. And, um, and Wendy went, left arm. And I went, ah, now I have to get up. And I really didn't want to. Um, but I've had this pain in my left arm for quite a while and I don't know what it is and I haven't been to the doctor, but, you know, I'm a bloke. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I just went up and then someone said back pain and I'd had really severe back pain for a couple of weeks. And um, anyway, this this fellow came up and started praying for me and Wendy came up and and he noticed... He noticed my shirt, and anyone that knows me knows that I'm into my cars a little bit, and I had a, an HQ Monaro 350 shirt on. I was like, yeah, that's me. Um, anyway, he just started talking about, you know, and really putting all these car references in it, and, and I was like, oh, okay, and that was pretty cool. And, and some of the stuff he said, I was, when he finished, I looked at Wendy, and she was just wetting herself laughing. And... Um, and he said, how was that? And I said, mate, you got no idea, hey, like that was just like the way you were speaking to me, you were speaking to like, an, like a sort of another part of my heart. And um, anyway, he just went, oh, you know what? Stuff it. I'm going to go for it. And I went, what? And he goes, look, I've just, God's had this word for, for look, give me this word for you and I'm just going to pray it over you. And I went, oh, okay. And he started talking about how, um, and, and people have said this to me before in church, people who don't know me have come up and said these things. But he started going on about um, God really wants to encourage you in what you do with cars. And he didn't know me, and he didn't know what I do, and he didn't know my, my hobbies and my obsessions. Um, and he just said, God just wants to encourage you. And he said, the way that you love and take care of your car god wants you to know he loves you even more than that and i went oh that puts it in perspective because i've always struggled with how god loves me and that puts it in perspective a little bit the trouble is i sell my cars really often so i hope he's not going to sell me at any point soon but but he just sort of drove this point home and the other thing he said was you know that you're gonna, you're the way you are with cars is you're going to, you're going to bring people to Jesus, who would never ever think about stepping into a church. And then he said, and bikies, 
I'm like, I'm not a bikey. What am I supposed to do? And he said, you don't have to change anything about yourself. He said, just the way you carry yourself and the way that you interact with people. He said, you're going to bring people to Jesus. And he said, I see you. And this is, I haven't told Neil this or you. He said, the way, and he said, I see you with a group of men sitting around a little fire. And I smiled. And he smiled. And I said, I don't do little fires. And he went, yeah, he said, as soon as that came out of my mouth, he said, I knew that was wrong about you. And I went, yeah, cool. But just the way that Neil and I have decided to run the men's ministry lately, sitting around a fire and chilling and not having any commitment and not having any any purpose to it, like there is purpose, but not a real driving undercurrent to it, has really blessed the men in this place, I think. Um, and And it was really encouraging for a random guy I've never met before to actually go, you know what, stuff it, I'm going to speak this, what God's put in my heart, I'm going to speak over you. So I want to encourage you guys this morning, just as that guy encouraged me, um, I remember encouraging um, Caitlin a couple of weeks ago, just from a little spark, God said something in my head and I just had to blurt it out to her and she just went, man, that's exactly how I'm feeling at the moment and I'm hoping that God encouraged her in that moment and I I just encourage you guys if God gives you a little, oh, I need to say this to this person, and if it and if it sounds weird in your head, just go and speak it to them in love and see where it goes. Anyway, thanks. Thanks, Ashley. Hey, um, so mine is a little different to what actually happened in the conference. I'm just so proud of this church and the um, the people within this church. For the last eight or nine years, the conference has been in Caloundra and we've had a heavy presence in serving. And this year was no different as I looked across all the things and the stuff and life things that were happening across the conference. I just, Belinda and I are just so proud of the, the people here and the willingness to serve the body of Jesus. And um, to all of you who had a role um, up there and did things, just thank you. And you need to understand, and I think we need to shift our perspective, I know I do, at times, ministry is not just about where we come and lay hands on people and release the Spirit onto people. When you serve, you release the Spirit and making room for people to experience God. You are releasing the Spirit more than you know or understand when you serve. And our testimony as a church, because of all the influence that we had in serving, we made room for that to happen across the Australian vineyard. So a pat on the back to you all, and to you all, and um, I'm extremely proud uh, of who we are and what we do to bless the Australian vineyard. So thanks, you guys. It was awesome. Thanks, Scott. Any more? No? Yep, Sam, come on down. That sounds like a game show, doesn't it? Come on down. <laughs> Samuel, Fraby Island, come on down. Hello, all. Um, our, oh, sorry, I've, I'm, I'm one of those non-pre-prepared people. So uh, We're students. I'm a full-time student at Bible College, so we didn't have money necessarily to go, and we just said, Jesus, if you want us to go to the conference, you've got to make a way. And uh, it was interesting because uh, like a week or so beforehand, we got a phone call saying, hey, we've got someone's not coming to the conference anymore. They've got a unit. Do you want to come? And we're like, that's awesome. You know, we just we didn't have the provision or the ability to do it. And we got there and uh, the hotel was actually fully booked out, but they still upgraded us to a front beachside room from what I was meant to be. And in the light of, in the light of everything, there's really no reason why they should have upgraded us to that room. Uh, because the place was fully booked out, which was fantastic. And and it ended up being that it was a three-bedroom apartment, which is actually bigger than our house on Bribey. So we, we kind of got there, and then my mum was able to come and babysit our girls. So we got literally a holiday as students that we wouldn't have got, which was really refreshing, which is kind of part A of it, which is awesome. But then part B was just to, coming from an ACC and a Baptist and some of the other denominations that we've done stuff in, there hasn't been such an emphasis on holy spirit as a person and when we were there we really got to re-see holy spirit as a person we would have one person come up and give us a prophetic word and we when we went up the front for prayer and then the next person would come up and it was like well that person backs on top of that person 
backs on top of that person, and it really just shows the Holy Spirit as a person, saying, hey, you know, it's not just the big God encounter, it's a, hey, I've got an identity, and I'm going to talk to you this way. Hey, I've got something more to tell you, so I'll bring somebody else along, and it really highlighted just really the Holy Spirit and the ministry, so, yeah. Anyway, that's my thing. Cool. Thanks, Samuel. Sarah, come on up. Um, so we kind of weren't planning on going, weren't sure if we were going to conference or going to stay up there until last minute and we just thought we just wanted to go and um, so we're just going to do whatever it took and I had a friend of mine in Melbourne who was doing worship at conference and worship has always been a bit of a battle for me because I love it so much but I've, there's been a lot of fear around it and she just took the pretty please can you just do it with me and I was terrified and I just said yes and um, something really healing happened in me in that in just God and like things kind of fell apart for us before conference um, and life was really messy and it was like we had every excuse to be like oh taking two little ones and it's a bit much and I don't know like we felt really torn and we just felt God say no go and with like what happened just stepping into that worship I felt God heal me of a lot of fear um, in that area and not just that I think we it was conference, but it was also like a retreat for us in a really hard time. It felt like a really safe place. And from people all around the country, people we don't even connect with often, it was like we, it was a massive family reunion. <laughs> and I just think you could feel it in the room. You could just feel people felt like family. And it was just so safe. And we felt safe and just loved. And it was just this beautiful week of feeling cocooned in like the love of God and people and it was awesome. It was just really cool for us. Thanks, Sarah. Um, last chances. <clears throat> Anyone else want to share anything? No? All right. All righty. So uh, let's, if you've got your Bible, let's open them up to Ephesians chapter 5. And for those of you who are joining us this morning and have not been a part of uh, where we've been tracking together through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll hopefully get you up to speed pretty quick this morning. Uh, but while you're getting your Bible open at Ephesians chapter 5, when um, I was eight or nine years of age, the priority of my life in the backyard of a summer in Western Sydney was to actually become the person of Dennis Lilly in the backyard. That, that was my life goal. You're nodding. You, you, you've done the same. Yep. 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 So when I was about eight years of age, this is in the, in the 70s, I was, um, I was really trying to be Dennis Lilly to all the young blokes when we would get together in the backyard at home. And, and the way I would try and be Dennis Lilly, for those of you who who may not be aware of who Dennis Lilly is. He was perhaps one of Australia's best fast uh, bowlers, fast bowlers in Australian cricket history. And he is um, he's considered a legend of the game and he is much sought after these days for his wisdom for developing young fast bowlers in our country. Anyway, so Dennis Lilly at the time, he was at the top of his game and one of the things that Dennis would do is he would, and well, as, as an eight-year-old looking at Dennis, I would see that the secret of his fast bowling was the length of his run-up. And so I equated those two. And so we would literally, you know, we'd set up the cricket pitch in the backyard. And then at that stage, some of our backyards didn't have fences between the yards. And so my run-up would go through our backyard and into the neighbour's backyard as far as we could make it go because <laughs> the further you got on your run-up, the faster your bowl would be and the more scared the batsman would be. So that was the idea. And usually, you know, it doesn't matter how much I tried to channel Dennis Lilly, uh, it was not quite. <laughs> it was not quite. Let's put him in that category. But Dennis Lilly, to me, was a hero he was an icon, and when it came to everything that was most important in my life, come summer in the backyard of, of, uh, of Western Sydney when I grew up as a kid, 
it was this this guy was it was the be all and end all and i'm sure at different points along the way we've all had these moments in our lives where we've looked uh beyond ourselves and we've looked at someone else or we've looked at some hero or some icon or some artist or singer or musician or athlete and or or just just person and you've looked at them and gone man I want to be like them there's just something about who they are the way they carry themselves the way they go about doing what they do it it inspires this or it stirs up this inspiration within us to want to be like them and so this morning in our bible reading uh, as we start in Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to keep this kind of thinking in mind because as Paul's writing to this fledgling Christian community in a rather hostile political and spiritual environment, he's calling them to make God their hero and to do everything in their capacity with the help of the Holy Spirit to be just like God. God. And he puts some detail to that, and we'll read into that in a minute. So Ephesians chapter 5. Now, this is a bit of a chunk of Scripture. I haven't uh, typed it up this morning, so I'm hoping you've got it in front of you in your Bibles or your apps. And I'm reading from the NIV. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Be imitators of God, therefore, As dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or any kind of impurity, or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness. Now, you've got to remember these people. These people, if you go back, you remember the backstory in Acts chapter 19 that we we laid out a few weeks ago. In Acts chapter 19, you can read the story of when Paul came to Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. He finds this little band of believers who have heard about Jesus and they've welcomed Jesus, but they haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says to them when he finds them, he says, have you received the Spirit? And they say, we've never heard of such a thing. And then so Paul lays his hands on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And they are immersed and filled with the person of the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in the gift of tongues. And that's the birth of this church. A group of Jesus people filled with the Spirit. And so Paul's writing to Jesus people who are filled with the Spirit. And so when the Spirit, who lives in Jesus people, hears this um, encouragement and teaching from Paul... They're not hearing it through a lens of, oh, I need to somehow be good or be better. They're hearing this as like cold water on a hot day. They are hearing this like, this is the very, my thirst is being satisfied because I'm being called into my true identity and life as a follower of God, as a friend of Jesus. They're not hearing it through the lens of, oh, I'm such a terrible, broken sinner. They're not hearing that. They're hearing it through the lens of the power of the Spirit who's given them life and hope in Jesus, and now they're living in the new created resurrection posture before God. And they're going, this is life-giving to me. 
to hear this invitation from God into a whole new way of living where I'm actually flourishing and no longer floundering. So you've got to hear it right. So don't try not to lay old man stuff that you buried in the grave in your baptism. Try not to hear through that old man lens. Hear it through the new resurrected, new created person that we are in the works of the risen Jesus through that lens. And we do that with the help of the Spirit and by faith. Okay, so you've got to hear it that way. I hope I'm making sense. For you were once in darkness, verse 8, but now you are light in the Lord. How's that? But now you are light in the Lord. That's a, that's a statement of identity. Live as children of light, for the, few, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them for what they are. For it's shameful to even mention what's disobedient, uh, the, the disobedient to do in secret. But everything, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. And this is why it says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. So this new, you know how God's bringing everything together in Jesus, Ephesians 1.10 and now you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Ephesians 2.10. And now the manifold wisdom of God was that through the church, Ephesians 3.10, that, the, that, the, that this work of Jesus would be made known to the powers in the heavens and in the earth. Got to hang on to all of this because now Paul's saying this big work of God that you're all intricately involved in by being the workmanship, the artistry, the poetry of God, by being that place, he's now saying this is so big and yet it's powerfully personal and it will have implications and flow into every choice and understanding of that you go about doing life with and even understanding yourself. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And make the most of every opportunity, because the days are corrupt. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, these people are already Spirit-filled. Now, Paul's saying, be filled again. Be filled again and again and again and again with the Holy Spirit. This is the life of the, of the people of Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's, a, there's an incredible... Um, sense of for Paul that that the the person that has come alive in Jesus has been reconciled to this work of God and they have they become this light filled hope filled and and um, optim kingdom optimistic type of people it's not I'm in darkness it's not I am lost it's not I'm corrupt anymore instead I'm filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on and he starts to give some helpful um, encouragement to family life. To family life. And he starts to talk into the nature of marriage relationships and he starts to talk into how good parenting looks and it even starts to, he even starts to talk to children. And he says to, gives keys to children so that things might go well for their life as well. Now, the reason why Paul is having to teach these practical things is because you've got to remember, these people have come out of a, a, a pagan context where, to be honest, before we read this stuff a bit further, marriage 
before Paul gets to Ephesus, marriage, it was a social financial arrangement. It had nothing to do with love. It had everything to do with inheritances and making sure family names got passed down. It was a financial contractual thing. And so often marriage was seen as a, like a commodity, a commercial activity. And Paul is saying, hey, now that you've met Jesus, you've got to understand something about marriage because it ain't that. But it's actually something wonderful in that, that flows from the very heart of God and the creation story itself back in Genesis 2. He references that in a minute. And he starts to give a whole new picture and way of love in marriage and what marriage relationship looks like. And then he goes into talking about children at the start of chapter 6, which is amazing because in, in this context where Paul's writing to in Ephesians, these guys, children, were expendable. Children were not even considered people until they hit puberty. They had no social standing or value. And the only person up to this point before Paul and the Christians came to town that had any understanding of the value of children was the goddess Artemis. And she took all the children in to her temple. So it was the pagan spiritual powers that actually laid claim to the children because the culture and the people had completely like ignored children and said they're of no value until they hit puberty. And then all of a sudden, Paul comes to town and he says, hey, children, you are really important and valuable to the kingdom of God. And this is why I'm going to teach you a few things about the ways of God, so that things will go well for you. So this is why Paul's writing. Try to keep your stuff over here. And just let Paul's message and who he's writing it to in the power of the Spirit begin to speak to your heart. Try and keep your stuff over there. Don't lay it over the top of this, all right? Just keep it to the side. Because <laughs> as we read this thing, all sorts of triggers get pushed. And we lay over it our experience and all sorts of words and interpretations that come out of our own journey to this point that, that actually are unfair to lay on what Paul is actually trying to say. So keep your stuff over here as it comes up. Just hold on to it. Just let it be there. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the Lord is the head of, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by what the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish but holy and blameless in this same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself man you might want to just highlight that just highlight that. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And now in verse 31, Paul quotes the Genesis account. So he reaches now right back into the long story of God to say this is where I'm getting this truth from. I'm getting this truth because it's always been in the heart of God that this would be the case. For this reason, he says, a man will leave his father and mother and become united to his wife and the two will become one flesh, end quote. And then he says, this is a profound mystery. 
I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Just a few weeks ago, Nicole and I were watching a little bit of video footage of a young lady that we know in Sydney, and we were watching a little bit of her work online that she'd posted. And Nicole's comment as we watched this together was, gosh, she sounds like her mother. And you could literally, if you had closed your eyes, you could have literally said, that's her mother speaking. So close was the sense of her, have her sense of I, who she was from where she had come. See, to be filled with the Spirit of God is to be filled with the heart of God. To be filled with the Spirit of God is to be filled with the character of God. To be filled with the Spirit of God is to be filled with the ways of God. To be filled with the Spirit of God is to be people who are alive in God. Jesus illustrates this for us in John chapter 14, where Jesus realizes he's about to head off to the cross and deal with sin and break the power of the enemy once and for all through his death and resurrection. And he has to reassure his disciples. He's, he's basically saying to them, I'm going to go for a while, but be at peace. Take heart. And he, but he says, look, you can't come with me on this part of the journey. I have to take this part of the journey on my, on my own. And then Thomas says, in response to this speech by Jesus, he says, Lord, we don't even know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, Thomas. And if you really knew me, there is the kicker. There is, there is the line from Jesus that I think he plays to me every single day I have a conversation with him. If you really knew me, Kirk, it's, the, it's a statement of where I am and it's an invitation into more, of knowing Jesus more. If you really knew me, Thomas, he says, you would know my father as well. From now on, Thomas, you do know him and you have seen him. Basically, Jesus is saying, Thomas, by looking at me, by listening to me, by watching me, you are seeing the Father. Yet, uniquely, he is not the Father just like this young lady, as we listened and watched her work online, we went, she's not her mother, she is a different person, and yet there is something so strikingly similar and so, so close that it sounds as if it were her mother. This is, this is what um, is going on here as the Holy Spirit moves on a group of people that says, be imitators of God. When Philip then goes on in that conversation, he says, so he's listened to all of this from Jesus as he, Jesus is talking to Thomas. And then Philip says, I don't know if he wasn't listening. I'm not sure. <laughs> but he says, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. <laughs> and then Jesus makes the obvious statement. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Obviously, Philip doesn't. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So here's... This is... The whole Godhead thing is starting to get unpacked and given understanding here. And it's really important that we hold on to all of this. The words I say to you, they are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. In other words, Jesus is saying, the crazy signs and wonder stuff that I'm doing, it, that, that should tell you something about who I am. I'm the Father's son because I'm doing what the Father does. I'm doing what God does. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will be doing what I've been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son might bring glory to the Father. You ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. Wow. Try taking Jesus up on that. I encourage you to. My son asks me for stuff point blank all the time. Why? Because I'm his father. He has just, just this inherent expectation that I can go to my father and I will ask. And then it's the father's responsibility to figure out how to deal, deal with that, that request. But nonetheless, the point here, Jesus is saying, ask the father. Ask your father. Come boldly before the throne of our God and make your requests known. We can approach him with confidence. Let's flick back to Paul now. Paul calls the Ephesians and he calls us to a new life of being, these new creations in God through Jesus. We get filled with the Spirit and now we live this heaven and earth reality both right now and we will live it into the fullness of the age to come. And we live from this completed resurrected new creation work that God has done in Jesus and we live in it by the power of the Spirit. So what does it mean to be an imitator of God? We are raised by faith to engage every single moment of every day and all of those circumstances that we have to navigate every day with the heart of God, with the resources of God, with the love of God, with the power of God, with the authority of God, with the hope of God, with the kingdom of God. This, this is what it means to live as an imitator of God in Jesus, all because of Jesus. Now, I wonder in this moment right here, right now, how the Holy Spirit, who I'm making a bold assumption here, is busy at work in every one of us in this room right now. I'm making an assumption that the Spirit is at work in every single one of us right here, right now, because Jesus said, my Father's always at work, and the Spirit loves to bring honour to what the Father is doing. So the Spirit says, Father's on that, I'm on that. So the Father is always at work. And my, my few questions are, I wonder what part of you, of your very self, that the Spirit is calling to come into the right, flourishing life of being newly created in Jesus? What part of yourself is the Spirit drawing you to this morning? I wonder what part of your heart the Holy Spirit is calling to, to come into the fullness of a new, resurrected, created life in Jesus, that it might imitate God. What part of your heart is the Spirit at work on this morning? I wonder what part of your thinking, your mindset, your worldview that the Holy Spirit is at work on partnering with the Father this morning to call into new created resurrected life in Jesus so that you can be an imitator of God, which is your rightful place and your rightful life as a son of the living God or a daughter of the living God. I wonder what part of your relationships this morning the Spirit is calling to new life in Jesus. Just think about your relationships the ones you've got in your immediate family, the ones that you have in your workplace, here, here at the vineyard, the relationships that you have, your relationship to the poor, your relationship to the outcasts, your relationship to those who are, um, you know, um, dealing with demonic oppression over their life. What, 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 what part of your relationships is the Holy Spirit calling to life in Jesus this morning that we might be an imitator of God. Paul's not 
telling the Ephesians and he's not telling us something that is not um, transactionable or able to be lived out. He's calling us into the life of God and he's calling the Ephesians into it. I wonder if the Spirit is actually calling your physical body this morning to use it in a new way. Maybe you've been, your body has been a slave to sin, but now it needs to come alive to God. How, how is your body, what is the Holy Spirit doing in your body this morning to bring you into the fullness of a flourishing life? I wonder today, through Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the Holy Spirit calling us to be imitators of God, I wonder how that might impact where we live, where we actually do our day-to-day living in our street. Imagine what the world might say if they saw this new creation, Jesus people, living as if God really is alive and therefore we are alive and we are flourishing. Imagine what the world might say if they saw our capacity for love, for grace, for forgiveness, for transformation, for restoration in our relationships. I wonder what the world might say if, if, if they saw these Jesus people alive in the Holy Spirit. Imagine what the world would say and do if they looked at us and they said, man, those guys, they know something about marriage that we don't and we need it. Imagine what the world would say if we used, we actually engaged the resources of heaven that are already in our hands for the greater glory of God and the healing of our cities. Imagine what the city would look like if they encountered the imitators of God, the people of Jesus. Imagine what your workplace could look like. Paul here is saying that to be an imitator of God is to be like the Father, like Jesus, and like the Spirit in the way that they relate to each other. I'm going to finish on this one, note, one more note, and then I'm going to pick up the second half of Ephesians 5 um, next time I'm up here. I'm just laying the track work so that we can actually appreciate what he is talking about in, mar- in regards to marriage. Paul is also saying that to become an, an imitator of God is to experience what God himself experiences within himself. I know that sounds completely like, wow, how do we follow that? Basically what he's saying is there is a uniqueness about the way that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit relate amongst themselves. And Paul is saying, be an imitator of this. And the grace of the Holy Spirit is is that he draws us up into the life of the Godhead. As, the, as God's grace and goodness is spilling out from himself over his creation. And there's the, basically these um, blokes way back when, let's call them early church fathers, they got together and they were trying to figure out all of this like mental gymnastics of how does that work? God is three and yet one and yet they're independent and yet they're unified and they're trying to find out words and truth to it, to articulate it in a way that people go, oh, okay, I get that. That's who God is. And they came up with this word called periochoresis. Can you say that with me? Periochoresis. There's one you can throw out at lunchtime today. Hey, have you heard about periochoresis? Try that one at the lunch table. Periochoresis basically means this. A number of years ago on TV, there was this long series called Dancing with the Stars. Have you seen? You may have seen Dancing with the Stars at some point. Um, anyway, that show's been axed. Um, anyway, some are thankful for that. But um, anyway, Dancing with the Stars. And, and basically what that whole show was about was highlighting the relationship between two people as they tried to dance together a particular dance step, whatever the step was. Tango's whatever. I watched Dirty Dancing the other night. That's probably not a dance step. (laughs) 
the pachanga. Is <laughs> uh, any of the waltzes, you name it, dance steps. And basically, in the, in the context of a dance, um, these two people are trying together to become almost as if they were one people navigating this dance together. And there's one person that takes a lead, and so they, they are responsible for guiding uh, the couple and initiating transitions from one space to the next, from one move to the next. And the follower, who is deeply entwined and connected to the lead, is almost able, you know, really good followers in dancing are able to, like, pick up those transitions and those moves without the leader almost even having to say, we're now, you know, indicating that we're now going to move into this new move. The, the, the follower is, like, so connected to the leader that it's as if before the leader even makes the move, the follower is, is there. They're so close. They're so united. They're one. And this word periochoresis basically means the dance of God. It's how God dances with himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And at different stages and places, and we see it in the, in, in the scriptures, how Father is leading Father is honouring the Son. Son is leading. Son is um, serving the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is leading. And there's this constant honouring so that the grace of the Father... So, e.g., I'm Jesus. I'm constantly seeking to follow the lead of the Father and honour the Father and who the Father is and the work of the Spirit. And in doing so, yielding to their leading, and as I do the yielding to their leading, the Father and the Spirit, they come and they honour my submission, if I'm Jesus, honour my submission to the Father and the Spirit with the Father's authority, and the Spirit brings his power. There's this yieldedness that then the one who's been yielded to then releases the fullness of their love and their identity and their authority back onto the one who's yielded that gives them life and functionality. It's this deeply interconnected thing of submission and honour all at the one time. It's like the two, co- two sides of the one coin, you know, heads and tails, submission and honour. It's the one coin and yet it's the two sides of it. This is how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit relate to each other. And Paul is saying, hey, people of Jesus, this is what it means to become an imitator of God. We get caught up in this. How do we get caught up in this? Well, I believe that Paul lays it out very clearly for us in Philippians 2, where he talks about Jesus. He says this in Philippians 2, Therefore, if you've got any encouragement from being united with Jesus Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any, any, any tenderness and compassion, then make my, lo- my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In other words, the, the nature of this is that I'm so busy seeking the well-being and the fulfilment of your interests that somehow in the grace of God, in the context of the people of Jesus, my needs are met. It sounds so countercultural, doesn't it, and upside down. That if I would sacrifice myself for your well-being, I actually come alive. This is the periochoresis. This is the dance of God. This is, this is the life of the kingdom in the people of God. He says this, Philippians 2 verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He humbled himself, taking on the nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And in humbling himself, being found in appearance as a man, he became obedient to death, 
He honoured the, the, the work of God. He sacrificed himself to the greater work of God for the greater good, even death on a cross. And therefore, look what happens when Jesus submits himself to the bigger works of God. Look what happens. Therefore, God exalted him. God's honouring came over Jesus as Jesus chose to sacrifice himself for the work of God to set people free so that people could come alive in their true identity. God exalted him to the highest place, therefore, uh, and gave him the name that is above every other name. (laughs) This is full on. And at that name, that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In Here it is again, in heaven and on earth. There it is again, the whole deal. God's bringing all things together in Christ and that every tongue would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of the Father. And who was it that rose Jesus from death? It was the Spirit that came upon him as the the power and the efficacy of the Father's love of of Christ in the grave. And the Spirit came upon him in power and brought life back to him. And he does it for us too. Hence, we always pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come, we welcome you. Now, I'm just going to leave it at that this morning because I've just given you a whole bunch to chew on. (laughs) But God is calling his church to be, and not just the church, but the unique, individual, workmanship's poetic pieces of artwork that we all uniquely are in the context of the church to be the imitators of God for the greater glory of God and for the salvation of our cities. The currency of the presence and the power of God in our lives, though, is this yielded life, this submitted life, this one that's given over to the mysteries of the dance of God that's shared between Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit that actually brings us life. And in the honouring of God through our yielded love to him, to our yielded leading for him, to our yielded life given to him, we come alive and flourish and we become truly human. Truly human. Without the Spirit, without Jesus and without the Father, we are but a, a shadow, but a, a, um, uh, like a, just a shadow of true humanity because we're still caught and bound under the work of the enemy and sin. But in Jesus, now we become real human beings. Thank God we can become real human beings. In our daily life of honouring God, through yielding to his love, his lead with our life, we come alive and we flourish. We become free from sin and alive to God and full and full in our relationship with him and with others. So this morning, my prayer is that we would be the imitators of God. And I think that's Paul's prayer for us, that we would be the imitators of God because the world needs it. Just like Ephesus needed it, so does Moreton Bay Region need the imitators of God. So does Queensland. As awesome as Queensland is, we still need the imitators of God to bring her fully alive. Australia needs the imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Who would like to dance with God? Why don't you just stand up where you are if you'd like to enter the dance of God, the periochoresis of God. And we just ask the Spirit. And and in doing this, you're saying, hey, you lead, I'll follow. (laughs) You lead, I'll follow. The dance of God. The life of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for 
just the work of your spirit in this season over, um, over our lives as individuals and as a church. God, you're doing us just a, oh, I don't know, you're doing an amazing work. I just look at the, your spirit on us time and time again and I just, and even the testimonies of people just sharing before of what you're doing and what you've done. Thank you, God, that you're bringing us all alive. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, as, as for those of us who are just standing right now, as we've said, hey, I'd, I'd like, I want to experience the periochoresis of God. I want to live from that life-giving place of relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even though they're standing, Lord, their hearts are bowed in this posture. And I'm asking, Father, would you honour that with your spirit now? Would you bring your spirit to your people? Come, Holy Spirit, and affirm the work of the Father in the people of God right here, right now. We welcome you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Those parts of our life that you want to bring alive, bring them alive today. Our heart, maybe our body, maybe our thinking and our worldview, bring it alive. Bring it alive, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.